Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Thank you for coming early for prayer, creating an atmosphere. Thank you, Sister Bauer, for your 45-minute worship service. Amen. Praise God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. How many of you are in an affliction, a trial, a difficulty of any kind? Don't be embarrassed. I have encouraging news for you today. Our light affliction is not going to last. The longest battle that Satan ever fought was 40 days. He, is, he does not have endurance. He can be ferocious, but he does not have endurance. Our light affliction is but for a moment, and it worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Wow. It's going to yield an eternal reward. We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen, they are eternal. Everything you see is temporal. This building, temporal. Those trees, temporal. This physical body, temporal. But the things you can't see, the God whose presence you felt this morning, that's eternal. And today, I want to preach to you on this subject, the things which are not seen. We need to trust in God and in God alone. You can be seated. I am like a caged lion today. I get to preach what I want to preach. Sometimes you have to preach messages you don't want to preach, but you you will no longer be allowed to preach if you don't do what God asks you to do. He'll take the anointing from you. But today, I'm excited about what I get to preach. I'm going to preach to you a positive message called the things which are not seen. Did anybody see Jesus today? Did anybody have a visible image? Did his glory just shine so brightly that you could not deny his presence? Probably not. But I want you to know what the word says about things that are not seen. Psalm 34 and 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him and delivers them. Did anybody see an angel this morning? But the word declares that what you haven't seen is more real, more powerful, 
longer lasting than what you have seen today. Hebrews 11, or excuse me, Hebrews 11 and four, or 1 and 14 talks about angels again and it says, are they not ministering spirits that are sent forth to minister for them who shall be the heirs of salvation? We call these guardian angels. But did anybody see their guardian angel today? You're totally unaware of what is around you at all times. Psalm 46 and one, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, but you don't see him. And so if you rely only on your senses, you're blind, you're blind. But if you rely on what the Spirit can reveal to you, if you believe the Word of God, then the things that are not seen are more real than the things which are seen. I remember being a little boy and having a fear of the boogeyman. Anybody have a fear of the boogeyman? Maybe you watched a, a movie or a show of some kind and it scared you a little bit and you had trouble going to sleep. And so you went in your bedroom and, and, and since you couldn't sleep, you had all kinds of imaginations. Maybe the closet door was open and, and where the clothes were hanging, you may have thought, there's somebody in my closet. I thought I saw something move. It might have been a breeze that came through the window on a summer night, but you could swear it moved and, and now it's really hard for you to go to sleep. I wonder if there's something or someone under my bed. I thought I heard something move just then. And all of a sudden, something that you haven't seen scares you and you're afraid and it's difficult to go to sleep even if it's just in your imagination and it is something you have not seen. I can remember times knocking on my dad and mom's door. Dad, I'm afraid. Can I come and sleep with you tonight? And I heard him groan. Now Rick, or Steve, or Linda, Linda too. There's nothing in your room. It's okay. I'm right next door. Go back to bed. But dad, just a few minutes. And if he let me snuggle up next to him, man, I could go to sleep in it seemed like just a couple minutes. Because I felt as long, somebody's gonna preach with me today, as long as I was next to my dad, there was never gonna be a boogeyman. The boogeyman wouldn't dare come into my dad's room. He might intimidate me, but he could not intimidate my dad. I want you to know we need to hide behind our dad. We need to lay down next to our dad. We need to cuddle up next to our dad because where our dad is, there are no boogeymen. They know better, they're afraid of our dad. 
But we fear things we can't see and things that might happen that never do. 90% of the things you fear will never happen. And all of the energy, the fear, the worry, and the anxiety that you have are wasted energy. Whereas if you would run to your father, if you would jump into his lap, well, I can't see him. How do I do that? He uses prayer. He uses faith. He responds to your voice, to your touch. And although you may not have seen him, he will allow you to feel him. Although you may never hear an audible voice, he will speak to your mind. He will send his word and he will send people that will remind you of his word. It's all an attempt by God to get messages to you from the unseen, but not the unheard. Even this morning, God's going to use clay to divinely do something supernatural in your life. And you know what? It's not just this clay. You might be the clay tomorrow that God uses because they can't see. If our gospel be hid, the Bible said, it is hid to them that are lost. For the God of this world, the small g, hath blinded them. They can't see things. The carnal man cannot receive that of the Spirit of God. Take a look at Luke chapter 24. This, this always amazed me. When we talk about Pentecost, and we talk about the 50 days from the crucifixion. Did you know that in spite of the fact that Jesus spent three and a half years with the disciples, they missed most of everything he heard, they heard, or even forgot the things that they saw? We are human, we are flawed. We are forgetful. We are carnal until we become spiritual. And even when we're spiritual, we can drift back to carnality at times. And we need to, as Samson did, shake ourselves and say, no, I'm not going back there. I know what I need to do. I know what the word of God has to say. I know what I've heard from the preachers. Our memory can kick in and bring us back to where we belong. But in Luke chapter 24, it talks about 40 days that Jesus was with the disciples, 24 and 45. It says, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And here's the most important thing that they needed to understand. Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. 
And that repentance, pay close attention because there's going to be a test here. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. This is where it's all going to start, guys. And I want you to be perfectly clear on what you are to preach. And you are witnesses. You have seen these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but I warn you again, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Now you want the fulfillment of that? You want to be sure that the disciples heard everything Jesus said as he opened up their understanding to the scriptures? Are all of the components that he mentioned revealed in this text of Acts chapter two? For when people asked what to do to be saved in 37, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What had their understanding been opened to? What had he recited in their ears concerning the gospel? And Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you. It's starting right here, right now in Jerusalem. But it's going to all nations from this point and all of the components of salvation that were mentioned were recited by Peter and the apostles. Who are we to change this message? Who are we to think that we have a better plan than God has? Has our understanding, this is what I'm praying for today, has our understanding, everybody in this room, been opened to the scriptures, do we fully understand the importance of Calvary, repentance, water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and the importance of receiving a spirit we have never seen? Never. I'm talking about the things that are not seen. Do you remember when you first received the Holy Ghost and all of these changes started taking place in your life? Do you remember what a vile person you were, what an angry person, how you used to fly off the handle and start swearing, taking in the Lord's name in vain, fussing and fighting with people all the time? Do you remember all those nights you used to go out drinking and drugging and partying? Do you remember what a mess your life was? And do you remember all the great things that God did for you? Do you remember the mercy that you found at an altar of repentance? Do you remember that? Do you remember what it was like to be immersed in water and have your sins washed away? Do you remember how you felt when you came out of the water? 
Do you remember when God filled you with the Holy Ghost and you began to speak in other tongues, which you never could have done by yourself as the Spirit gave you the utterance? How did any and all of that happen? Was there somebody there that grabbed you by the throat, that forced you to make these decisions, to go through this process? Or was it someone or something that was unseen that influenced you, that caused you to be led into those decisions? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But who has ever seen the word of God? Uh, you can say, well, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Thank you for being spiritual. Okay, but really, have you ever seen visibly what God has done in your life so incredibly spiritually? You couldn't possibly. And so when the world looks at you and they see the changes that are taking place in your life, they're confused. How does this happen? Have you become self-disciplined? Have you finally got your act together? Have you reached a state of maturity? No, no, that's not it. I just simply came and threw my life on the altar and gave my life to God and determined that I wanted to be obedient and that I could make it with him alone and that he would empower me with his spirit. The world can't understand that. But now, because your eyes see and I'm not talking about these, and because your ears hear, because of what you never saw, everybody gets to see, oh, this is great preaching, everybody gets to see what God can do with a person's life. Everybody gets to see it. It becomes visible. Don't you ever claim that you've got your act together. Don't you ever claim any self-righteousness in your life. Don't ever do that. Claim the, the power of the blood. Claim the power of the spirit. Give God all the glory. But for the grace of God, there you go. The things that are most important are things that, can, that have not been seen. Let me, I'm going to dive a little deeper here. How many of you have ever seen mercy? Can I go down to pick and save and buy it off of a shelf? I need mercy. I need mercy in my life. Where do I get it? Well, you can't buy it at pick. What about grace? Can I go to Walmart and buy a box of grace? What about healing? Should I go to Walgreens Pharmacy? Sir, what are you here for? I'm here for healing. Well, you're going to have to be more specific than that. Well, I'm sick and I want to be well. I can't heal you. I can drug you. But I can't heal you. I want to go where I can be healed. I want to go where I can be changed. I want to go where I can be empowered. I want, to go, I want a life-changing experience. I must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. 
I want something that I've never seen before. You know, one of the things that, and this is how Satan and God get to play both sides here. The, maybe the first time you came to a Pentecostal church and you saw people worshiping and, and you looked at them and, and they, they seemed like they had a good marriage and, and there were their kids lined up on the pew with them. And you said, man, I, whew, I don't know if I could ever be like that. I don't know if I could be that kind of a worshiper. I don't know if I, when, when the preacher stands up and says, hey, let's, let's come to the altar and spend some time in prayer. Did you feel like it was a thousand miles to the altar? When they lifted your, their hands, was it hard for you to lift your hands? Was that difficult for you? Did you ever think that, well, I could never be one of them? Neither could I. I remember my pastor telling me, I, I, I tried to pay a compliment to him and to his church. I remember I said, Brother Tamil, I said, I just, I just love you people and I love this church. It's so inspiring. He said, no, Rick. He said, you don't love the people. You love the God in the people. But always remember this. They're still people because people fail but Jesus never never fails it's not in his vocabulary the reason you are the way that you are is because what of what God's done in your life and you better not try and take any of God's glory let me give you an example of, you know, I, I, I don't know if I, can, if I can help you to visualize this, but one of the songs that we sang in, in prayer this morning was surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Remember that song? I can feel his mighty power and his grace I can feel the brush of angels' wings. I, I don't see any angels, but they're here. Let me see if I can give you a visual of what, probably make it even more visual for you. Uh, I'll take, take these four guys right here. Brother Dredska, Brother Dredska, grab your son there. Je Jeff, um, Bill, and Kevin, please. Give you an example. Okay, just come right here, guys. One in front of me, one behind me, and one on each side, please. There we go. Okay, just turn right around. Okay, Bill, you get to be in front. Kevin gave you that job. All right, now when I say left, you take a step forward with your left foot, etc. right, right, okay? All right, let's take a step with our left. Left. What's happening here? The angel of the Lord encampeth around them. I am surrounded, but I don't even know it. And God leads me, and the angels encamp around me. But if I say, hey, I got this, guys. Now I'm on my own. 
I need to stay where I belong. <laughs> and then I can make faces at the devil. Because <laughs> I got some guys around me here. You, you don't want to mess with me when I got these guys around me. That's the way it is with us and God. Thank you, guys. Let me tell you a true story of Sister Nona Freeman, great woman of God. This happened. It is recorded. She was by herself, and she was driving her car, and she was going up a steep hill. And, it, and when she got to the crest of the hill and, and saw that there was a vehicle immediately in front of her, she was driving at a high speed. She quickly looked to her left, and there was a semi coming from the other direction. There was no way for her to escape because it happened so suddenly. So what she did was she kept her hands on the wheel and called out to the name of Jesus. All she had time to say was, Jesus, and she closed her eyes and held on for impact. She heard one thump, and then she opened her eyes, and here she was in her same lane, and there was no vehicle in front of her. The semi-driver turned around and came back after her and came up behind her, and he was white as a ghost. And he said, did you see what just happened? And she said, no, I just said the name of Jesus and shut my eyes. And he said, I saw it all. Your car went right over the top of that other vehicle and came right back down in the same lane and you continued on. The thump she heard was when her car came back and landed on the ground because God said, uh-oh, We don't see how many times God has delivered us from automobile accidents. We're not aware of the many times that other people have gotten sick with the, and don't you dare claim it. Well, you know, the flu's going around. Don't claim that. You're a child of the king. Don't get a hold of, well, I guess I'm going to get the flu, you know, everybody else is, and this, listen, nobody shakes more hands in this church than I do. I, I think you'd have to agree with that. Nobody hugs more people in a day than Rick Kiley. And God has given me grit, to God be the glory, God has given me great health great health. God wants to do the same for you. You feel it coming on, you rebuke it. You do what Noah Freeman did. You call on the name of the Lord. You let God help you. God wants us to trust what we can't see. Let me give you two examples and I'll quit. John chapter 14, verse five. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto me, unto the Father, but by me. If you'd known me, you would known my Father also. From henceforth, you know him and, and have seen him. That was his answer to Thomas. You see him. 
He did not get it. And there are a lot of people today that still don't get it. Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. It's God in human form. Didn't get it. Matter of fact, if you take a look in John chapter 20, when Jesus revealed himself to the disciples, listen to what John's, or Thomas says in John 20, 24. Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, we've seen the Lord. He said unto them, except I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger in the print of, his, print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. I must see or I will not believe. Was Jesus there physically when Thomas said that? There's no evidence to substantiate that he, that he was there. But after, and that's why it says, and after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, stood in the midst and said, peace unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. Reach hither your hand and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. What a declaration. But he still got a rebuke. Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are they that have not seen. Wow. Not seen. And yet they have believed. You know who he's talking about? He's talking about you. Blessed are you. You haven't seen. And yet you believe. And then at another time he tells the disciples, blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For others have never seen. And they have never heard. Let me give you this verse, Hebrews 11 and one. I don't know if you've ever considered it this way, but I'm picking your brain here a little bit today. Let's talk about faith for a moment. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. This makes no sense whatsoever. Show me substance. What is substance? This is substance. These are a pair of glasses. This is substance. Yet the scripture said, faith is the substance of things hoped for, and then he uses the word evidence. The evidence of things not seen. So what you don't see is both substance and evidence. Wow. Because the things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. How many of you have ever seen your soul? You've never seen your soul. But it's eternal. 
Because when, when God breathed into man, it said he became a living soul. The only thing he created that he said that about. And yet you have never seen it. But you believe. Because you have faith. And because you hope. And it's as if it already exists before you can see it with your natural eyes. Don't expect any amens. Took me a long time to figure this out. The things I have not seen. When the servant, this is 2 Kings 6, 15. When the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, and host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? We are surrounded, trapped, outnumbered, outgunned. And the man of God said, Fear not, they that be with us are more than they that be with them. What is the preacher saying to you today? Fear not. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. Our God is greater than the devil. He has twice as many angels. And greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And I'm asking you to take all of this at faith value. And Elijah prayed, and he said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. It was the enemy that was surrounded. You're not surrounded. Your enemies are surrounded. And God is working his way in at your request. So when you go through a trial and when you feel overwhelmed and when you feel like there's boogeymen all around you, all you have to say is, Jesus. That's all you have to say. Jesus, I need you to come to my rescue. Where else could I go? In you alone, I find my comfort. You're my only hope. You're my source of strength. And whatever you need today, though you don't see it, it's at this altar. Might be mercy. Might be forgiveness. Might be grace. Might be healing. Might be forgiveness. Might be that you need to forgive somebody else and you're having a trouble doing it. But I can do all things through Yet I don't see him. I don't see him.
Let's stand together. Did you ever see a cartoon with a little devil on one shoulder and an angel on another? That's the way it is, folks. Though you don't see them, there are spirits all around you all the time. Some are good, some are not good. You need to rebuke the ones that are not good and let God help you. Here's my final thought today. The President of the United States has a security team not only for himself, but for his wife and for his children. They don't go anywhere without that security team. You are the bride of Christ. You are the children of God. God has assigned security teams because you are royalty. Man, you ought to be excited about I don't know how you stand there and not be excited about the fact that God loves you so much. He's got you surrounded. He's, he's leading you. He's protecting you. He's an ever-present help in a time of need. He's always there. He's always there. You have a security team. Use it. Do you know why God gives you that security team? And why the president and his family and other people have security teams because there are some evil people in this world that will do terrible things. But because of the love that he has for you, he is an ever-present help, ever. I don't feel them. Doesn't matter what you feel. Matters what you know. And if God says that he's an ever-present help in a time of need, all he's waiting, all he's waiting for is for you to ask. No, don't let this person approach me, Lord. He will protect. Jesus Maybe I did this backwards, Lord, and if I did, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I'm not very smart, but this is all you got to work with right now. So I pray that you will open the eyes, the spiritual eyes of your people and the spiritual ears of your people, that they would hear your instruction, your encouragement. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.